Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years, and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently, they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family-owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. Today I have Ashley Thurn joining me on the podcast to talk all about picky eating. Ashley is a mother to three little ones and a pediatric occupational therapist and feeding specialist by trade. She has a background in nutrition, sensory integration, holistic wellness, and she specializes in picky eating and feeding disorders. She loves helping families navigate the many challenges that come with feeding children, and it's her joy to help families find strategies to help nourish their growing children and expand their children's diets to eat a bigger variety of nourishing foods. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Ashley, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, Picky eating is something that I get asked about a lot, and it's also something that I've gone through as a parent. My four-year-old is a pretty picky eater, and we've struggled with her. So um, I am so happy to have you on here to share your wisdom and your knowledge with us about picky eating. I'm so excited. When you asked me to come on, I was like thrilled, so excited and humbled (laughs) to be here. I love what you're doing on your page um, so much. Anytime I find another like integrative, holistic OT, I love it. I love your page. And I was humbled that you asked me. Um, I actually, like when I was a first time mom, I got into somehow, I wish I never did the sleep training situation. Mm -hmm. And it was honestly, I remember telling my um, midwife that I had read, um, had read baby wise, which I'm sure you know about. And she told me it was child abuse. And I remember I was so offended as a new mom, like I was pregnant. And it is because it was honestly one of the biggest regrets I had as a new mom was doing that because I was so focused on this like yeah like I just love what you I love what you do because I was so brainwashed into thinking like I was like doing something wrong right by feeding my child to sleep and it's crazy because everything we know as OTs is that there's like a neurological reflex the suck swallow reflex that's calming to the central nervous Mm -hmm. system like it's by design so Mm -hmm. I don't know how I anyways that's my little side that but 
Yeah. Well, and you know, it's so interesting. We're not, we're not actually here to talk about sleep, but since we're on the topic, it's so interesting that in OT school, like part of our scope of practice is sleep and it is child development, but yet we get very little education in OT school. At least I didn't get any, hardly any education about sleep with babies and Mm -hmm. children. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wish, I hope that that changes soon. And I hope that, but you know, I, I worry that if it does change, it will be more behavioral based and in the form of sleep training, which would really yeah. Um, be not good as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's really um, counterintuitive to what we know as OTs from a developmental yeah. perspective. From everything, like I don't yeah. even know how I got wrapped up in it, like looking back, like knowing all that I know pressure. about society. Brain. Yeah, society. It's pressure. powerful. It's powerful, right? <laughs> and yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, there's a you know, I, obviously I get a lot of like nasty messages and defensive messages and all of this, but like truly if, if sleep training is right for your family and you want to do that, like, I'm not here to change your mind or to talk you out of it. What I have a problem with is the amount of messages and stories I get from parents, just like you, just like me, who, who did try some sleep training and who felt like they had to, but it felt so wrong to them and they hated every second of it and they didn't want to do it. That's my, those are my people. Like I want to reach those people to let them know they don't have to do this. And there are other ways. Um, and that it's okay that your baby is sleeping the way they're sleeping. And that's really my thing. It's like, if you're cool with sleep training, cool. Like this isn't necessarily for you. Although if you want to listen, cool. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's too many parents out there who really feel this massive amount of pressure to sleep train and feel like they're doing something wrong if they don't sleep train. And that is what I want to really change the conversation around. Well, even though we're talking about this as it, you think it doesn't relate to feeding, it does relate to feeding Mm -hmm. because, um, and I started to think about that a lot lately, um, just about the weaning process and that word like um, baby led weaning and what it really means is trusting the child to um, know when they're ready to start eating and depending more on solids versus Mm. breast milk or formula. Um, So it really does all relate especially because um because food is so much about trust yeah and what are we You're doing right. with babies in the very beginning of their life teaching them that they can't rely on us as parents to be like a reliable source to mm-hmm. I don't know to feed them when they're hungry like yeah or that, that their their hunger cues are wrong their hunger cues are right. not are not reliable because they might be hungry at night they might be giving us hunger cues but we've been told well no your 6 month old actually shouldn't need night feed so you shouldn't feed them and that, you're so right it's all connected and and the picky eating can start from yeah. infancy right. even because from breastfeeding even before solids are introduced because they learn yeah not to intuitively trust their hunger cues like or they don't even know that they have them because it's not being met and honestly my my son was extremely underweight this is why I have so much regret as a baby um he was so underweight he was luckily just like a big baby like it's like really tall so like the doctors never even really picked up on it um but looking back he was also tongue-tied and we struggled so much So like all of that going on with also the sleep training was like so bad. And I I don't beat myself up anymore. Like I learned my lesson, but you, you did the best you could at with the information you had. We have to also give ourselves grace. yeah. Yeah. We live in a society that is not conducive to being a new mom and a baby and it's not our fault. Um, Yeah. Okay. I have like a burning question actually, before we even get started with the picky eating, just because we're kind of on the topic of like intuitive eating. And I was thinking about, you know, this starts with, um, with infancy and not feeding our babies on demand and not teaching them to trust their hunger cues. And so, you know, one of the big things that comes up for me a lot in the work that I do is, is putting babies on a breastfeeding schedule or a formula feeding schedule, whichever you're doing. Um, and I'm, you know, I always say babies really should be, even if they're formula fed, even if they're bottle fed, they should ideally be fed on demand. Um, because, and part of that is because it teaches them to trust their own body cues, their own hunger cues. And so, this question comes up for me because, you know, there are a couple of 
you know, picky eating specialists that like I follow on Instagram and I know a lot of them um, recommend, and this is what I tend to do, but, uh, but a lot of like picky eating specialists recommend to feed children on a schedule. So like parent decides when and what is on the menu and like when child eats, um, but chi the child gets to decide how much of that that they eat and make sure like we cue them to feed to fill their bellies before the next time they eat. Um, but they're kind of they kind of tend to be against this like snacking all day or like letting the child eat whenever. So I'm really curious because sometimes I struggle with that. I do tend to do that, but sometimes I struggle with that. And I think, you know, if my daughter's telling me that she's hungry and she just had lunch an hour ago, who am I to say that she's not hungry? So sometimes what I'll do now is I will always have like fresh vegetables available. Um, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that and just related to like intuitive eating. Yeah. Well, I think as an infant, it is huge that you're supposed to be feeding on demand. Um, and the notion that this has become so normalized to not feed your baby on demand is honestly quite crazy. Um, because, you know, babies cry because it, it's not always because they're hungry, but it's also because they're overstimulated and they need to calm down or they're tired. Um, but yeah, I, I very much believe in, um, feeding on demand, especially for, I would even say close to, I would say close to like the first, I, 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 maybe like the first year and a half because mm -hmm. my son's 16 months right now. And I'm trying to think at this point, I do want him like just in my own, um, I guess maybe selfishness kind of want him to be, uh, more, like he relies a lot on breast milk right now, which mm -hmm. is, which is, you know, it's still normal for his age, but I want him to eat more foods. So, you know, I still want to respect his desire for breast milk, but I, I think, I think after two, the age of two is when maybe you wanted to start getting on more of a, like not a rigid schedule, but offering meals and snacks sort of around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem with, like you mentioned with your daughter, with grazing on snack foods all day, it actually comes up so much um, with parents who say that their kids are extreme picky eaters um, because having a hunger, like a real hunger for meals is one of the most important aspects that's often ignored when you're offering a meal. Um, I mean, you can still respect your child's like, you know, that they're, they're not hungry when you offer that meal. Um, but you, you kind of help them regulate just by offering them at re regular intervals throughout the day. Once they're older, I'm not advocating for anything younger than two. Right. Um, and I mean, if you have older children, that kind of just happens naturally because you're, um, offering, you know, breakfast, a snack, lunch, sort of around the same time every day. And, and the baby, if it's a young baby, they get to regulate that themselves. Like, for example, my son right now, you know, if he wants to fill up on breast milk in the morning when he first wakes up and then, and then if we eat breakfast right away, maybe like within an hour, he probably isn't going to eat that much. And that's fine. You know, like mm -hmm. I just have to sort of like save his plate for later and yeah, for the foods again, when I know he's hungry, it's really about just like trusting their, like you said, trusting their hunger cues, but also like when mealtime's over, like, sorry, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be in my kitchen all day long. Like it's hard enough to all offer right. them how many three meals plus two snacks a day. Like I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. So it's a lot of pressure on you. So you can't, you know, you have to find a balance. I would say find a balance mm -hmm. of, um, respecting your child's internal hunger cues, but also like you can't, you can't be giving snacks all day. And mm -hmm. the other problem with that is, um, and it's every two, you can offer sn snacks and meals every two to two and a half hours. So it's not like they're like, it's not like child abuse, like they're, right. they're older. And, um, as you get older, like you can wait a little bit longer for food. Um, but you know, you also don't want to develop more of a preference for like packaged snack foods, which kids easily mm -hmm. do. I mean, we all do. 
Yeah. Especially if that's what they're getting during their snacks is those packaged snack foods. Then what I found would sometimes happen with my daughter is she like knew certain foods or snack foods like applesauce. She loved applesauce. That was like one of our only packaged snack foods that we use, but she would like expect, okay, I'm going to get an applesauce in an hour or whatever. So I'm not going to eat this meal because I'm going to wait to fill up on my applesauce because I don't like this meal, but I like applesauce. And so we've kind of since tried to change things around and we can talk about this more later too, because we'll touch on like tips for picky eating. Um, but I had that burning question, but, um, we've tried to since change things around so that snacks and meals are pretty similar, like similar types of foods for the Mm -hmm. most part. Um, but then the other thing I'm thinking as you're talking is, as children get a little bit older, so we're not talking about like babies and like young toddlers anymore, but I think it's actually pretty healthy for them to feel hunger sometimes, like not for long periods of time, but to start to recognize, I feel hungry right now. um, And now I have to wait, you know, 30 minutes for dinner. So maybe that means I need to eat a little bit more for my last snack so that I'm not hungry for dinner. And, you know, it's, we all should really feel hungry at sometimes we shouldn't be like constantly eating to fill our belly. Right. As a, like as not babies, I mean. Right. Yeah. And I think it's um, like, I really like the whole concept of baby led weaning because like I had already mentioned, they sort of like trust the child's like intuitive process to learn this throughout, you know, as they get older and older and older um, to, to learn what that feels like. And um, yeah, like you said, as they get older, their stomachs are getting um, bigger and they can go longer periods of time. Like they don't have to eat every hour or every two hours. And it's, it's really, really good for them to feel hungry, especially for a meal, because you're going to have more success with what you're presenting if they're hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's also something I had to really learn um, sort of the hard way, which I didn't even go into our picky eating story. Cause that's how I got into this line of work was I struggled so much with my youngest or my oldest. I mean, um, is, uh, you have to be like, and I'm talking when they're older, you have to really be okay with your child being hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like not letting fear get in that area. Like, um, like they can't go that long, um, without eating, they can go like, if you have them on like a general, not a very rigid schedule, but like a general, a snack and mealtime schedule, you're offering foods like healthy whole foods throughout the day and, and trusting their intuition. But also you have to be okay with them not eating when you present that food. And that is really hard with a picky eater Um, because your biggest fear is like, oh my gosh, like they're not eating enough to sustain their life. Like I'm feeling as a parent and all of that is like fear-based mentality. And you have to you have to, you have to overcome that and you have to regulate, which we can talk about. Yeah. Uh, soon, but totally. Soon. And let's like, I just want to say this before we actually dive into like defining what is picky eating, but I, my daughter has been, she's getting better. She's improving with how much she eats, but like from two to four was really rough in terms of picky eating. And it's definitely fear-based. I feel like sleep is the first fear-based like thing, that big problem. And then comes feeding and eating. And I didn't expect that. And, um, it's so interesting because like I've taken courses and I've, I've like, I know what to do for the most part with picky eating, but then sometimes my fear brain would take over and I'm like, no, you need to eat this. You need to take a bite of this. And I'm like, what am I doing? I know this is not right, but like, I'm so fearful under yeah. underneath all of that. I'm so fearful that one, my child is not getting enough to eat, but also even that, like, she's just not eating the right types of food. Like she's getting only one type of nutrient because she's not eating meat. So she's not, you know, and it's so like, it really is so fear-based and it's like, just trying to like, accept, like, accept that you <laughs> accept that fear, understand that fear and not act on it. But yeah, we can totally talk about that. Okay. So can you define... Yeah. Can you define what is picky eating versus like, because some amount of pickiness is developmentally appropriate and normal. So can you kind of tell us the difference between a picky eater and maybe a normal toddler that is experiencing some pickiness um, and how parents would know, um, you know, when they should seek out professional help? Yeah. 
So one of the biggest things that I learned, which you sort of already mentioned when I went for training in pediatric feeding was, which for me, I don't know why, but this was mind blowing to me was that all kids go through a normal developmental phase of picky eating. I don't know why this isn't talked about. Um, like I didn't learn that as an OT at all. I just, I was like, I, I thought something was like severely wrong with my child because he went from all of a sudden eating literally anything I would put in front of him to like throwing everything, like yeah. not eating at all. And I, um, I, when I learned this, like this fact that all children go through this developmental phase from like the age of two to four, which is just mm -hmm. what you meant when you had the hardest time with your daughter, that really just calmed my nervous system. Cause I was in there in that moment. Um, so I think all parents need to know that first of all, like if you're a new mom and you're not there yet, like you're going to go through it, like we're all going to go through it. Um, or if your child's in that, in that phase currently, you need to regulate your central nervous system because it's very stressful and, um, you are there to help your child get to the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I guess to tell the difference between the two, there's actually what I like to call like a continuum, like sort of like the autism spectrum, like how it's like so different, like mm -hmm. all are different. It's more like there's no, what we call, and I hate all these labels too. I really yeah. do, but for simplicity's sake. Yeah. There's like normal eaters, which these types of eater, I'll say normal eaters, picky eaters, and then there's resistant eaters. And those are more of the extreme picky eaters on this end. So normal eaters, um, even though they might be a little bit picky, sometimes overall they really enjoy eating and they eat enough, you know, variety in their diet. Um, picky eaters, sometimes they're just going through a developmental phase or sometimes they do have certain aversions um, to certain types of foods or even certain food groups, like you mentioned, like protein with your daughter, um, that can still be more of just a like normal picky eating phase. Um, and we just have to, like I said, give our kids tools to overcome those obstacles that are challenging. Um, and then there's more of the resistant eaters and some of the signs that you're more in that area and maybe need some professional help uh, versus more of a picky eater is things like your child. Well, first and foremost, your child has extremely limited amounts of foods that they will accept anywhere from 10 to 15 foods. Um, so it's really helpful if you're really stressed and thinking, oh my gosh, my child is such a picky eater. Like I always tell people, well, let's figure out if they really are, like what foods will they eat? Like make a list. And the majority of the time when they write the list, they realize their child is actually eating a lot more than 10 to 15 foods. Um, so that's a big indicator is their extremely limited diet, but also things like throwing tantrums every single time that you're having a meal, screaming, vomiting, gagging, those are all red flags that this has like become more of a um, extreme issue. And a lot of kids, they won't, they won't accept the type of food if it's in a different package or it's a different brand, it's gotta be the same brand, the same way every single time, or they'll have an absolute meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more, but just for- yeah. So you're saying that if your child is just more of like a picky eater, but not like really venturing into that resistant, that usually that doesn't require professional right. help and parents can maybe yes. deal with it on their own. But yes. then if they're venturing into that resistant territory, that's when they would need like the help of a feeding specialist or a feeding right. therapist. Exactly. And in okay. that case, I recommend getting, um, you know, talk to, talking to your pediatrician and about the fact that your child only not that they're always the most reliable <laughs> people, but you know, yeah. my kids only eating eight foods. Like that's not normal. Um, mm -hmm. and helping, you know, getting an evaluation and, um, not to be afraid. I think a lot of parents have this stigma, um, in general about needing help, but mm -hmm. it's stressful enough just to feed kids. So if you're in this resistant eater situation, like 
you need help. Yeah, for sure. We all need help. I know. I mean, I felt there was a time where I felt I needed help and my daughter was just in the picky eater kind of territory. And I felt like I, I actually really thought about scheduling a call with somebody and I ended up like, I just didn't, I took like a course instead. Um, but so I can only, I can't even imagine having a resistant eater, just imagining how stressful that would be. So if you're experiencing that, like out there listening to this, I really feel for you and, um, you need help. So don't be afraid to get help and get support. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask for help because it can be like, I mean, think of all the things we know, like just as OT Mm -hmm. that can help our kids and we both still struggle. Right. So um, yeah, don't be afraid to get yeah. help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So, so is eating is like a learned skill, right? Yes. And yes. how do they, how do they learn that? And how can we kind of help them to learn that skill? So I think like what's fresh or what was frustrating to me as a new parent is obviously there's so much information out there mm-hmm. and like you worry so much about like what they are actually eating nutritionally, all of this stuff. It just, it's so overwhelming, but one of the most basic things that I like to like help parents who are in this, this um, stressful state to think about is just going back to like simplifying your life, like offering your child, if you can, just the same foods you would typically make for, for you. Mm-hmm. If hopefully if you're eating a decently balanced diet, um, don't make things overly complicated. Like don't make things overly hard on yourself. And first of all, there's no perfect diet. There's no child that eats perfectly. Like, you know, I'm into like feeding my kids, all the healthy foods, but my kids do not eat everything I offer them. And I'm not in control of what they, they actually put in their bodies. And I've learned over time, the more kids I've had to just like let go of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, kids learn. It's a learned skill. And I knew this intuitively as an OT, everything kids do is they learn through modeling. They watch adults and they look at siblings and peers at school and they watch them. But with feeding, I didn't realize like, oh, like, my son needs to watch me eat this food. He yeah. never seen it and doesn't know what it's like or what to do with it. So offer your kids the same foods that you're eating. Just try not to overcomplicate things. Like, I mean, it's okay to make baby food. I'm not saying that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that, but um, that can put a lot of pressure on the parent because you're making two separate meals and it's just not natural to be eating one meal and then uh, or actually most of the time the parents eat not eating at all when they're yeah. spoon feeding their child, they're not even eating the, so there's no role model for the child is what I'm saying. So yeah, eat as a family, eat as a family, as much as you can, like try to get everybody to the table because that's how they're going to learn through watching everybody eat the same foods. For sure. Plate. Yeah. I love that. And I have to be honest, I'm really guilty of not modeling a lot because so my son is 15 months. So they're, they were our sons are, we're very close in age. Um, but I find that, so he always watches us. Like we always sit down as a family to eat dinner, but lunch and breakfast, I'm usually on my own. And so I usually am feeding the kids and then I'm in the kitchen, like cleaning up the kitchen. And I always think about that. Like, has that impacted, impacted him at all? But at the same time, like I do what I have to do, but I do make more of an effort to like sit down for a couple of minutes and try to eat my food with them. It's yeah. hard, <laughs> but it's hard. he always sees us eat dinner because we always sit down together. As a kid. And he also, I know this doesn't count, but he does watch my four-year-old eat because they sit down together and eat. No, that's so helpful. I think that like when you have your first child, it's even worse because there's no other child there to like encourage them to like pick up and try new foods. But yeah, our, the society that we live in with moms, not having enough help, like I'm on my own here in Miami. I don't have like grandmas around. So mm-hmm. I don't like have that much help. So like, I'm always doing something, especially during lunch, like lunch is like that busy time of day and that's okay. Yeah. I just try to do once a day. Mm -hmm. If you can do two or three, even more power to you, but like, don't put all that extra stress on yourself. Try to sit down obviously as much as you can with your kids, but yeah, 
we're all in this crazy but society it's, together. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all a balance of what you can do, and it doesn't have to be one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, okay, so what other things can we do early on to set the stage for a wide and diverse diet? So <clears throat> exposures to different types of not only textures but tastes, temperatures literally expose your baby to any type of foods possible in the first year of life, <clears throat> especially, but the, I would say the first three years is really, really important um, to, um, that's why I love baby led weaning. And I'm not, you know, I'm not anti uh, purees, but I do think that if you are doing purees, you should also um, do a mix of both because, um, because you have to, you have, your child needs to learn so many different, there's, I mean, such a diverse amount of textures and tastes and all of that. So the best thing you can do is like I said, just, well, if you're a diverse eater, the, I, I think sometimes there is a problem. Actually, a lot of times there can be a problem if you, you yourself are an extreme picky eater and you don't realize it when you're like in adulthood and your kids are struggling and it's like, well, you eat such a limited diet that your kids aren't getting exposed to a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and I also don't want people hearing this to feel pressured by that. Um, because like, again, we're, we're all imperfect and mm -hmm. no child's eating perfectly, but just, you know, just naturally try to expose your child to um, a lot of different tastes and don't think like, oh, well, they're a baby. I can't expose them to that. Like think about kids in India eating mm -hmm. like curry every day. Yeah. Like kids, kids learn, um, how to eat spicy foods and, um, yeah. Personal story. My daughter's favorite foods as a baby. And even now she still really enjoys these things, curry and chili, her wow. favorite foods. Now, granted, we didn't, we don't make them super spicy, but they yeah. definitely have a little bit of spice and they oh, were awesome. always her favorite foods as a baby. And now she doesn't always eat curry, but she always eats chili. Chili, um, And that's got a kick yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So definitely no, there's, I feel like there's just no, like you can try anything with your baby and like, you know, don't give them something crazy spicy, but you can kind of just give them a little bit of spice or a little bit of flavor and see how they react and then kind of yeah. build on that depending on how they react. And you can, um, sort of, like with my son, I add like a little bit of broth to his curry because he doesn't like mm. spicy. So like whatever you're eating, you can always modify it. You can make it a little bit less spicy or like you can deconstruct the meal to where you can like kind of rinse. Sometimes I rinse off the curry, um, off the chicken and the vegetables for him and just put them kind of plain. I don't rinse it all off because I'm mm. still wanting to expose him, but like, you know, there's always a little more mild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What are some things that we, a lot of us do early on that might encourage picky eating and we don't even know. And then what are some things we can do that would discourage picky eating? So the biggest thing I think, and I'm, I'm just saying it, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I think like spoon feeding purees is honestly, <laughs> like strictly mm -hmm. spoon feeding purees for a long extended period of time. And a lot of parents do because honestly, they, they, they don't know any better. Right. They think it's the best thing and they really fear choking, which is mm -hmm. like a whole nother topic in itself um, is something that can really hinder the feeding experience. So did you ask me what I can do? Or what, what can encourage picky eating, but then also what can we do that would discourage it? Yeah. So whether you decide to do purees or um, baby led weaning, or you want to do more in between, whatever it is, just try to focus on um, independence and, mm -hmm. um, and giving your child autonomy because feeding is a, something that takes a lot of trust. And in order to have that trust, we have to um, feel in control. We have to feel like we're in the driver's seat. And, um, when kids don't feel in the driver's seat of their feeding experience, that is when their anxiety, um, kicks in. And that is when they start to become extremely fearful of new food. So mm -hmm. we cannot control 
their feeding experience, all we can do is be the best role models that we can and try our best to um, sit down with them as frequently as we can. I mean, obviously there's more we can do, but off whatever you do, whatever the mix of things that you're gonna end up doing, um, offering your child as much independence as you can. So if you are gonna start with purees, like you can give them a loaded spoon of yogurt and help them to feel like, oh, if I want more of this, like I can bring this to my mouth. Um, mm -hmm. So offering them as much independence early on is going to greatly increase your uh, likelihood of avoiding picky eating in the long run. Yeah. Um, so that's huge. I, and I think if we just take a second to think about ourselves and how we would feel if we had somebody in front of us forcing us to eat food, shoving food into our mouth. And I know, like, I don't want this to come across as like, judgmental because that's not what I mean, but I think we're all doing the best we can with what we know. And unfortunately it's just that a lot of the information that we get as parents surrounding feeding and sleep and all of this is just really not, not sound advice. Um, but if we thought of, think about how it would feel to have, to have us ourselves strapped in a chair, we can't move and then have somebody shoving spoons into our mouth or shoving pieces of food into our mouth we wouldn't like that. We, it would cause me anxiety. I know that. And even just thinking about my own childhood, you know, I have always been a very picky eater up until adulthood. And I was forced to sit at the table and finish my meal. I remember one time there was, it, I still remember I was maybe eight years old. I still remember okay. meatloaf. It was meatloaf and I hated it. It was disgusting. I still remember how it tastes. This is how yeah. like I'm traumatized by it. Yeah. And I remember that my mom and my stepdad made me sit at the table until I finished it. And I, I, I don't know how long I sat there, but it felt like hours. Like, I think I sat at the table until bedtime and you can see that I still remember this experience. And so it affected me. Um, yeah. and I continued to be picky until I became an adult and started cooking for myself and wanting to try new foods. And it took a while to come out of that, but I did it on my own. Um, it's traumatizing. Yeah, it can be really traumatizing. And I'm like, so I have this fear, like not only do I have a fear that my child is going to end up like me and be a picky eater, but I also have this fear that I'm going to handle it the wrong way and make her end up like me again, being traumatized from our experiences. So it's like layers on top of layers. And um, it can just be a really hard for both for both and triggering for both parent and child. Um would you say though, that like, if you are, if you are feeding your child purees and spoon feeding, is it possible to like do some loaded spoons, but also for their, those younger babies who don't have the skill of, um, grabbing the spoon and bringing it to the mouth. Is it possible to do more of a, a spoon feeding parent does the spoon feeding, but in a more child led way where we're not like actually forcing the spoon into their mouth, but we're kind of following their cues and giving them the option. Yeah, that's something I was thinking while you were talking that's like so important um, with feeding kids is listening to their cues. And even though they can't talk when they're so young, um, I mean, there's so many cues that they're telling us. I mean, turning your head away from the spoon um, is a cue that they do not want to take a bite. And we have to we have to respect that because they're in control of their feeding experience. And like, I'm just thinking about the game of like, trickery when the kid's like leaning mm -hmm. away from the spoon and you're like doing the airplane, yeah. like trying to get it in their mouth any way possible. Um, and how, like you said, like imagine being strapped in and you don't want to eat this food and someone's like forcing you to eat it. And maybe you're not even hungry. Like my son, like mm -hmm. maybe he just ate like milk is very, it was very milk is very filling. Mm -hmm. So if your child's still eating a lot of milk, um, you know, it depends on their age and that's, you know, a more individual basis, but, um, there's so many factors that can affect your, your hunger, or maybe just, you don't want to try it. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't like the texture of it. So we have to be listening to children's cues as young as, as they are, but when they start developing language later on, um, we have to try to find a way to be uh, not only like listening to their cues, but also like being empathetic and trying to figure out, um, figure out why, like reasons uh, that they didn't like certain foods. And like I said, helping them through the process, but actually, um, well, two things we, in my feeding course that I took, we actually had to do that same experience that you talked about. Oh, really? They, like blindfolded us <sighs> and had another therapist 
um, like put different foods on a spoon and put no. it into our mouth. Oh, that's like, my worst nightmare. Imagine, like we didn't know what it was. Can you imagine? Like that is what a lot of kids are going through. Yeah. Um, and, and how are we setting them up for failure so much by ignoring them? And, and then food starts becoming so stressful so early on. Mm-hmm. I just, there's ways to make spoon feeding, um, like I, I used spoons for sure with my, even with my recent son, I, you know, when we were eating soup, like he can't eat that. Like I have to help him mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, but like we, it, you really only should be spoon feeding. If, if that is your route that you're going to choose to do purees, you should only be doing that for at the most, I would say two weeks of just purees. Um, just to see how your child just reacts to different foods and maybe if they have any food allergies. But after that, there's so many ways you can modify basically any food you can make it. Um, you can modify it to make it safe for a baby. Um, so there's really no reason to stay on the spoon feeding train forever because kids need to learn, um, chewing skills and Mm -hmm. swallowing skills and so much more, but And then the other thing I wanted to mention just to anyone who's watching that and feeling like guilt and shame over all of this, thinking, oh, I've done everything wrong. Um, or even for you thinking that like, I literally, even knowing all of this that I knew before I went and took training, I was struggling so much. I remember like using like force, like with my son Mm -hmm. to like eat, like, I think it was a mushroom and a pepper one night. And that was like the rock bottom. Like, I was like, you need to take a bite. And like, I feel so bad about that, but like learning all that I learned about, like the more that you force, um, and, and put pressure on your child to try something when they're in that really stressed out state, like they don't want it. And you're using force, the more feeding just becomes this traumatic, experience. And we don't want that. We want it to be a positive experience. We want them to feel in control and be able to say yes and to say no. So I don't know. Totally. And let's normalize like struggling as a parent and, and like, even me, like I go back and forth. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm so chill about food. I'm so calm. You can eat. I don't care what you eat, like eat or don't eat. But then some days, even knowing what I know, some days I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to eat. I remember one time this was my rock bottom and I already knew a lot of the things, but I didn't, I hadn't taken a course or anything. Um, and I like bought yogurt for the first time. My daughter was probably two and a half. And she like, I made like put maple syrup in it to make it sweet. And like, I, she needed to eat the yogurt and yeah. she wouldn't eat it. And I like freaked out and I was like, you are going to eat this yogurt. And I stuck it in her mouth. And then I just like ran away and cried and had like a breakdown yeah. because I knew as I was doing it, I knew that I was being a monster. And yeah. I knew that I was like, I was having one of those out of body experiences where like, I literally can't feel like I can't control my body. I know that what I'm doing is not cool. And, but I can't stop myself. Um, and I don't have as many of those moments anymore, but I definitely still do have some days where I'm like, you need to try this. And I don't feel like that's as bad at this point. Um, I know that it's not ideal, but sometimes I'm, I just am more like, I do encourage her still like, please try, you know, X on your plate. Um, but I, I try not to like super pressure her, like coerce her or anything like that, but we all have those moments. I think, yeah, we all have those moments. And even I knowing now, um, still have those moments where I'm like, I want to put pressure on my kids, or I want to tell them take five more bites. Like I want to do all the thing, like not all the time. Um, like, like every so often, but like, we all struggle with it and we all have this rock bottom parenting moments. Um, yeah. Yeah, we all, and it doesn't we mean like if you if you have done those things with your child, it doesn't mean that you can't move yeah. forward and work exactly. on it and do it differently. It doesn't mean right. that you've ruined your child for life yeah. or their feeding experience. <laughs> traumatize them. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I know. it's so hard. But my you son know. eats so many foods now. Like he, yeah, is an amazing eater, and he came from me being that. Like I think that parents are typically in two categories. Well, maybe three they're either super control freaks with eating, which is where I was Mm -hmm. and which where I tend to be like, just, uh, because I just love studying nutrition and I want to get in all these Mm -hmm. healthy foods that I worked so hard. Like that's 
where I am. I was in this yeah. area. And there's the parents that are maybe, um, they maybe are the opposite end of the spectrum and they, um, they let their child basically control everything. Mm-hmm. Those parents that do a lot of the like short order cooking, they'll make a meal. And if their child doesn't want it, then they'll, they'll have their backup chicken nuggets ready to go and offer that to them. And then there's the parents, I think that are probably not that many of us, but we're just totally relaxed and they yeah. don't care. And those are probably the kids <laughs> the best, honestly. Yeah. But it's I, also like, how do you, having the balance, like ideal would be not caring, but then also having that balance and that right. knowledge of let me feed my children like a wide you know, a variety of healthy, nourishing foods. So it's like, it's very hard to, because I feel like the parent, a lot of the parents who are feeding those nourishing, like a variety of foods really care and really want their child to eat. So it's a lot harder to not venture into that, like anxious, fearful state. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing let's just, can you just talk about like, what are just foundational, like what are some things that we can do as parents? What is the ideal, like, like feeding environment? Um, can you talk a little bit maybe too about like the, what is it called? The, do do you do like the division of, um, responsibility? Yeah. And then like just some, some common tips and tricks to helping our children navigate, um, you know, new foods on their plate and trying new foods and things like that. Just like, what are like, in a you know, five minutes, what are, what is what the things that you would want parents to know? Okay. So the biggest thing, most foundational thing for me, when I learned all the stuff that I learned and the things I implemented with my son. So I went from this like super control freak to like forcing myself to like do all of these techniques. I learned the most foundational thing is to, like we already talked about a little bit about regulating your stress. The parents don't realize that they have a lot to do, like their emotional state has so much to do with whether or not a child is um, going to eventually have a really healthy relationship with food. And um, I really, I thought I had such a healthy relationship with, with food, but I didn't realize that I was being extremely controlling. Food perfectionism is something I still struggle with. Um, But getting a hold of your fears, first of all, recognizing what they are. I'm afraid a lot of things, something I hear often is I'm afraid if my child doesn't eat this, they're never going to eat. They're going to fall off the weight charts, but like you need to get in control before you ever walk into the mealtime atmosphere of your stress levels and make your, make eating fun, make it enjoyable. Even if you're stressed out, but you probably are because you're a mom, um, be calm and non-reactive, um, not like you're ignoring your child, but you're not going to sit over them and like stress about every bite they take. Like you mm-hmm. need to calm down and just focus on enjoying your, your food. That is one of the biggest things that I think a lot of parents don't, uh, realize impacts their kids so much, yeah. um, is your emotional state. Um, totally. You want me to talk about the division? Of yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like just for a parent who really, who maybe is coming into this kind of uh, like, doesn't really have a lot of information about feeding and thinks maybe they should be making their children take five bites of each food. Like what is the division of responsibility? And like, how do we do like no pressure meals kind of, and like, why is that relevant and important? So stress physiologically, physiologically shuts down a child's appetite. Like if just think about it, if you're stressed, you're not hungry. And, um, and so we have to really think that we need to get our kids into this like relaxed, joyful, happy state. And, um, and the only way really that you can do that is by regulating your own emotions. And, um, because they feed off of our energy, Mm -hmm. if they're really stressed, they're going to be really stressed. And, um, like I said, enjoying, just enjoy your food. If your child is over there, picking at their food and it it is probably driving you crazy. Like just focus on your food, enjoy, enjoy your meal. Um, and then if your, um, child is in this, like I'm rejecting maybe lots of different textures or one particular texture. Um, one of the biggest things that you can do is, and it's funny because I ask parents, picky eaters all the time. Are you is your child in the kitchen with you? Are they cooking mm. with you? Are they being exposed to new foods? 
Are you letting them touch and feel and taste and smell uh, different foods? And they're, I mean, parents were just so busy and, and right. kids messy and it takes I really forever. Take so much longer and you just want to get <laughs> play. But like, I guess it comes down to like, if you're, if your child really is struggling and it really is that important to you, you're mm-hmm. going to make time to get yeah. them in the kitchen because that's what I learned. Um, also is a child, um, who's in this picky eating state or even in wherever they are on the continuum, if they're in the picky eating or they're a resistant eater, we've got to back up and, and get them exposed to different smells and tastes. And that comes naturally when you're cooking different foods, when you're having them stir and touch, um, you know, just getting a new food every week from the store, like make it a priority. Like every week, we're going to try a new food and have your kid help you pick them out at the store. And we're going to cut it open together. We're going to figure out what it feels like and what it tastes like. Um, that's something I, I implemented really early on with my son. And that is something that made like the world of a difference is showing him a food, telling him what it's called, um, talking to him about like how it feels like and how it tastes and accepting Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever his response is to that food, just accepting it. If he thinks it's gross, that's, oh, you think that's gross and just reflecting on how he feels, but describing things to them was huge. And like, when I talk to them about like why they're rejecting a food, I'm like, oh, I understand you didn't like the avocado this time because it was a little bit brown or you know, like, and then they're like, yeah, that's why I didn't like, it's not because they didn't like avocado. It's because it was kind of gross. It was a little bit brown that time. Oh, okay. Next time I'll try to make it, you know, a little more firm for you or, and they have to learn those sensory Mm -hmm. descriptors there. And I think also too, like when your child is expressing their preferences about foods or like what they don't like, not like trying to correct them. Like, oh, avocado isn't gross. It's so good. I know that's what we have a tendency to do because we want to like fix our children's emotions and their opinions, but like they're allowed to have those feelings about food. And I think that accepting it and validating it rather than trying to dismiss it or correct it is really a a, a huge difference between a child that feels comfortable talking to you about it and maybe comfortable trying new foods and a child who doesn't. Right. Yeah. And I think fear, fear is a really big driver in all of this, our own fears. Um, And yeah, you may like, you probably like the food that you're offering and you want them to eat it because you enjoy it Mm -hmm. so much, but they are allowed to have their own opinion. And I talk about that with my kids at the table a lot. Um, especially if one kid's like, oh, I hate this food. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we're all allowed to have our own opinions of foods. Like I really like spicy foods and Jordan really likes spicy foods, but you don't like them. Like everyone's allowed to have validating. Yeah. Validating, mm-hmm. validating, because when we validate their, um, responses in the way that they perceive different textures, et cetera then we can build from there. When we, when we listen, then we can, we can start working with them and finding ways to make things more tolerable for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I was just going to say something else. Oh, and also not letting your, this is what I have found, not letting your own opinions and your own food preferences dictate what you offer to your child. Because like I would have have things when my daughter was a baby, like I would never think to offer her certain things because I didn't like them. And I remember one time she was like in the kitchen with me and we were meal prepping and I think I was making broccoli and I was going to roast it. And she like just picked up a raw piece of broccoli and ate it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? why are you, is that good? How does that taste? And I don't like raw broccoli. So I would have never thought to offer her raw broccoli, but she actually really likes it. She'll like eat raw broccoli and cauliflower. And I would have never thought to offer her those things because I don't like them. Um, so yeah, Yeah. don't be afraid to offer your child. I don't like liver, but like, I realized with my second, with my second child, like I need to offer him liver because that's like, my husband loves liver because he was raised on it and it's such a nutrient dense food. So I made sure to offer him liver and kind of get that, like get him that flavor, um, palette from a young age. But, um, okay. So like when we're finding balance in, I, I find it helpful to just focus on what are my responsibilities as a parent when I'm feeding my child and what is my child responsible for? Because it can feel like you're responsible for everything, but we've already talked about how we're not like, we can't control what our child does in some ways and what they put into their body. So what can parents focus on that is their responsibility and their role, um, versus what can we kind of relinquish control and let go of, because that's our child's responsibility. 
yeah, this was another huge thing for me as like a sort of like a controller. Um, Ellen Sadler's division of responsibility. She's a feeding therapist who mm -hmm. um, made this diagram of, and it's so foundational and helpful for parents um, is that the things that you're responsible for, which actually some, some parents don't even believe it or not. Some parents don't even realize that this is their responsibility, but the majority mm -hmm. of them do, but your, your responsibility as a parent is to offer regular meals, try to make them balanced and offer them at certain times throughout the day. So your job is to pick out what foods that you offer and when you offer them. So that's two things. That's two things that you are in control of. It's not very many things like, yeah. and your child's responsibility is to decide whether or not they are going to eat it at all. If they're going to eat anything mm -hmm. at all, that's their, their choice. That's not your choice at all. And how much they're going to eat. Mm -hmm. So you decide what you offer and when they decide if they're going to eat it and how much, and that's it. And it's yeah. like, so, but it's, it's so amazing. simple and it can really change your life if you really like stick to it. And so what that means, right. Is that like, say, for example, you offer your child, I'm just making up something, um, steak and blueberries and broccoli, and they just eat the blueberries and don't touch the steak or the broccoli. And they want more blueberries. That means you give them, if you have more blueberries and it's appropriate, you give them more blueberries. And it's not like, well, first, which I actually do do, do this sometimes now with my four-year-old. Um, but it's yeah. not like first you need to eat a bite of broccoli and a bite of broccoli and then, or steak and broccoli, and then you can have more blueberries. It's really just, okay, I'll give you more blueberries and no pressure to touch anything else on their plate. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. And I think that there is amongst feeding therapists and nutritionists, I think everybody has their different, um, their different approach to whether or not you encourage, obviously we all agree that you shouldn't force a child to eat, but if your child's in that extreme, either just a picky eating phase or an extreme picky eating phase, like how do you encourage them um, mm -hmm. to try bites without being coercive or forceful? Um, so I think everyone has like their different, uh, perspectives on this, but I personally feel that there isn't anything wrong with encouraging to try a bite, but I don't, obviously I don't, um, think for, I'm, I'm not for force or anything. What I'm saying is I think sometimes kids with modeling and showing them how to eat, let's try a bite like this, not you have to try your bite right now, or you have to eat five bites before you get your popsicle. Like, I'm yeah. not for that. but I don't think that there's anything wrong with, um, with modeling. Let's try a bite of this. And if you don't like it, um, I suggest trying a no thank you bowl, which is just like a little bowl or a little plate that you put next to your child's mm. plate and they try it. They, whatever, in whatever regard that they try it, maybe for them, it's just picking it up. Like they, there are kids that literally will scream if it's even on their plate, but if they will just pick it up, that's a step mm -hmm. for some kids, pick it up to touch it and put it, um, put it in the bowl. Or if they touch it to their mouth or they try a little, let's make a crunching sound with this carrot crunch, crunch. Um, that's it. And if, yeah. they didn't like it, if you don't like it, you can put it over here and it's still okay for more of, like you said, the blueberries or whatever. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so important. I always say, um, you know, I always encourage my daughter and I think it kind of depends on age too. Like my daughter's a little bit older now. And, um, I always say, you know, it, it's a, it's a really good idea to try all of the foods on our plate because some days we like certain things and then, um, the yeah. next day we don't or vice versa. Um, but then I say, I usually say you, you should try it, but you don't have to eat it if you don't like it. Um, so I try to kind of make it low pressure. I know we're running out of time here, but like there are, so another thing that I think is really important is if you are, if you do have a child who's experiencing some pickiness, like incorporating some, some play, maybe like using different, like types of fun utensils and ways that they, like, I have those little food picks that have animals on them. Um, anything like that, that, that like adds novelty, um, that's not food related novelty to the plate, like add something fun can be really helpful. Yeah. So sensory experiences with food, it could be in the kitchen. Like I, like I talked about helping you cook just the foods that mm -hmm. you're going to present, but it also can be outside of mealtime because a lot of these really picky eaters are so stressed out because of the pressure, uh, 
put on them during mealtime that oftentimes if we take it outside or we take it out of the the uh, area where we're, we're like, there's no pressure on them to eat it at all. It's just play, it's just fun. And there's so many ideas that you can, you can look up. You can make sensory bins with all types of different foods because many kids are struggling to even touch um, certain types of textures. And if that's where they are, then we need to meet them where they are. And just yeah. like, I'm using the avocado again, but let's just use a fork and smash this avocado together. You like no talking about eating, like yeah. just so they learn the texture and they learn. And that's progress. It's progress like for many. Step kids. one. Yeah. Yes. And then the other thing I wanted to say, cause you were talking about your, I liked your, um, the way you were talking about with your daughter, what you say, um, with trying a bite, we have to try foods. Cause we never know. Cause different days we like different things. Um, just a small helpful tool. If you watch, I don't even watch Daniel tiger, but I happened to be watching it one day. And the song that he sang was we got to try new foods because they might taste good. Oh yeah. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> heard that one little song ever for kids. And so my kids, like I started saying it to them, like just for fun. And now they say it to each other when, when one kid's like, Oh, I'm not trying that. Like the other kid will say, yeah, I need really to look that up. It, it makes you laugh. Yeah. Find that song or find that episode. Cause it's actually awesome. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. Last thing, just cause I feel like it would be a disservice for us not to talk about this too. Cause this is like one of the biggest tips that I think is most helpful is the importance of having a safe food every yeah. time you offer a meal or a snack to a child. So what does that mean? Yeah, I, I have somewhere it's probably on my page somewhere. Like I have like a little picture and it shows like just an example of different things you can try in different ways you are presenting new foods. But one of the, um, one of the things that's really foundational for feeding therapy for kids is always having a safe food. So, um, if it's cheese or if it's blueberries, whatever it is, like if you're offering your child new foods to always have at least one or two of those on their plate, because that's going to help them self-regulate. A lot of these kids that are super picky are dealing with literally a stress response, like fight or flight mm -hmm. response. Every time they even think about mealtime, which is probably where my son was at because I was so controlling and forceful. Like he probably was so stressed out. Yeah. Um, so having some of their favorite foods on the plate, they're going to immediately see that food. They can be like, oh, okay. Like there's not all these new crazy foods on the plate and um, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm fine. And I think it can, it's also really helpful for the parent because knowing that you are offering your child at yeah. least one or two foods that, you know, they usually like, and they usually eat that they can fill their bellies, even yes. if they don't try anything else. Whereas yes. if you're giving them a plate full of all new foods or, or foods that they're still learning to like, and that you don't really know that they'll eat that also sets the parent up with anxiety. Like what if they don't touch anything and then they're hungry. Um, so I think it is helpful for both parent and child. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't think about to say that, but yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, because then you're, like you said, you're pressuring yourself the entire time. Like what's going to happen if they don't need it. But yeah. if you know for sure that they like this food and they like that food, at least, you know, like, okay, there's no pressure for them to eat this new food. Like even just touching it or looking at it or learning about it or watching me eat it is going to be enough for them to be, that's like, it counts mm -hmm. as an exposure. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, at least they'll eat something else on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us. Can you tell people that are listening, um, where they can find you and what, if you have any resources for parents, you can find me where I do most of my work. Now I have a blog. It's helpinghandsot.com, which I, since having my son have rarely updated, but I do have tons of good recipes on there that have, I've, I've made a lot of them and they're really good. Oh, thank you. I just recently had my neighbor try my, uh, my veggie loaded spaghetti sauce. And she was like, Oh my gosh. She's like struggling so much with her two-year-old. That's our favorite. Like, I'm so glad I finally got some vegetables in her, but yeah, I do have a blog that has lots of recipes. And then you can find me on Instagram, helping hands OT. And, um, the other resource that I have is veggies are friends, which mm. is a, um, 
They are a index cards of the entire alphabet and every alphabet letter is a different fruit or vegetable. And on the back, it has different, it describes like a nickname for the food and it describes the texture, the taste, the color, the shape. And then it has like a little um, sensory activity that you can try with your child to get them to have a hands-on experience with that food. And you can find that on my, on my page. And then, yeah, I'm working on trying to do a, a course, which I've asked you about, Taylor, because I know you have so many successful courses, but it's too, it's too crazy it's right time now. So I don't know it's so time consuming. I don't know. I know. Yeah. Okay. And I will link um, those things. And Ashley, you gave us a code for your veggies or friends, right? So you can I don't get, remember what it was, it's but Taylor. <laughs> I have it right here. So if you use the code Taylor, um, which will let Ashley know that you heard about her through the yeah. podcast, then you, you'll get a 10% discount on veggies or friends. And I will link that where you can find veggies or friends on the um, podcast episode show notes. <laughs> and I'll link your, your website too. Awesome. Thank well, you. thank you, Ashley, so much. It was wonderful. And I, I learned a lot talking to you. Aww. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.